dealing with some things that are crucial to the child of God, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. And um, we are in a time in the body of Christ these days that um, the Holy Spirit is either blasphemed. And what I mean by blasphemed, um, the word blasphemed, when you hear the word blasphemed, think of the word slander. Okay, And when you think about slandering somebody, you're basically saying something about them that is not true. Okay, uh, Don't get me wrong, that doesn't downplay the significance of slandering the Holy Spirit. Um, but um, we're either saying things about Him that are not true, or we've put Him in a position that He's inept. And... Um, I see people struggling in their walks, uh, not really understanding uh, what resources they have, and that's what we've been doing. And I've got, I'm kind of in a little position now called our dependence, and it comes out of a question that the Apostle Paul asked to the Galatian church. And uh, I think it is very appropriate today to be cried out, um, who has bewitched us? Who has charmed us in a way that we believe this lie. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read these first uh, three or four verses. Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we come to draw upon the depths of understanding that you have given us. Father, help us. Help us overcome error in our lives. Help us overcome false doctrine in our lives. Um, Father, help us overcome the pragmatism, the platitudes, the attitudes that are so prevalent in the church today. Help us to understand that what was begun in the Spirit is perfected solely in the Spirit. Father, help us walk in that perfection to you and you alone, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to know from, out of you. Did you receive the spirits by the work of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? You now are being perfected by the flesh. Okay, what he's dealing with is he's asking the question, and I entitled it, what is your dependence? What are you dependent on? And he's talking to this church in Galatia. And understand Galatia is like a county. And there would have been numerous churches in Galatia. Uh, I know Iconium, Derby, Lystra, all of them had churches there. They're all in Galatia. Okay, so there's numerous churches there. And so what you have is this prevalent thing has moved through and it has come by men and women teaching the law of God, which would be the word of God. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. But he, they've brought this in and they said that you now you need to do this and this and this and this and this and you will be what? Better Christians? Stronger Christians? What will you be? And what he's basically arguing here, he states it in a, in a question. Uh, he says, this question is so stupid, the answer should be obvious. Did you do anything to get yourself saved? 
Or did it come from hearing the gospel and believing? And believing. Hearing with faith. See, when you hear the gospel, when you hear the word of God expounded, okay? You know what that word is, right? It's explained. And it is coming through a man or a woman in the power of the Holy Spirit. To the soul, it will convict that soul. The Spirit does the conviction. It is through the authority of the Scripture. It brings that soul to repentance. The Holy Spirit takes up residence. He indwells that soul. He immerses that whole being, spirit, soul, and body into the body of Christ that is now part of the functioning body of Jesus Christ incarnate this day. He empowers it for service. He gives it a supernatural ability, a supernatural enabling, a supernatural gift. He, in doing this, secures it in a that person, that individual. He secures them in such a way that they are sealed and they have been given the Holy Spirit as 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 an Arabon, as as an engagement ring. You're invited to the engagement of the Son. You will be at the wedding feast of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You were given from God the Father to God the Son as a present. And Jesus' work is so massive on the cross that he literally is taking this gift, this bride that God the Father has given, and he says, I will make this bride so perfect that I'll present her back to God in all of her excellence. And Paul's argument is, and you're going to do what to help this along? You're not going to do anything. Why? You have an eternal inheritance that came to you by the person of the Holy Spirit. You have been separated through sanctification. You're not of this world. Did you know that? The things of this world, why do you let it drive you nuts? Why do you become anxious about the things of this world? I mean all of it. Why? Because I have been separated through sanctification. I no longer, because of the Holy Spirit, I no longer have, sin no longer has dominion over me. Sin does not rule me anymore. Okay? Nor are the consequences of sin. I am not fearful of sin. I am not fearful of the consequences. And you know what is really cool about all of this stuff that I just gave you? This all happened at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation. That moment that Jesus Christ redeemed you from the miry clay. It's already done. Now, you may not believe it, but that's not the issue. It's already done. And I've already spent a lot of time on all of these. So now what? Well, because of all of this that has happened, there has to be conviction, repentance, indwelling, immersions, giftedness, secured, sealed, eternal inheritance, separation, dominion of sin, and its consequences have been destroyed. It's already done at the moment of salvation. Because all of this does, all of this happens, I now have an intimate relationship with God of existence, who created existence, who created time, space, and matter, and force. He who flung the stars into the heaven. He who laid the foundation. He who measured out the sea. We've already done it. It's already taken care of. I have this relationship. I have a place where I can have joy immeasurable. I can have a place where I have pleasure immeasurable. I have purpose in my life. I have a path for my life. And all of it is based on the presence of God and His right hand. 
And how, how do I access it? It's through prayer. I looked at this. How do I focus my prayers now? So I'm covering a whole lot of stuff, people, if you haven't figured that out. And it all based on this single entity, the person of the Holy Spirit. My prayer life, it should be God's presence. I looked at this. We looked at this last week in the book of Psalms. David's sole purpose, his single focus in his prayer, I won't be in your presence. I don't care where your presence is. I won't be in your presence. Okay? Presence of God. And, and then and that was Psalm 27. And in Psalm 30, 73, we said, David said, you know what? I don't desire anything on earth. Why? Because you know what? David had tasted an awful lot of what the earth had offered. And what did it leave him? I mean, let's be realistic. He was the ruler of a country, an extraordinarily wealthy country. A country who basically in any given battle situation never had to lose. They could never lose a war, never lose a battle. He was a king. He was a monarch. He was the authority. He had, given, he had been given what the world offers. But I wanted you to think about this because when we think about fellowship, this unity, this intimacy that we looked at last week that we can literally call God, Abba, Papa, Papa. You know what that means, right? Let's be realistic. If you're a father, the child has your ear. It may drive you nuts, but the child has your ear, right? Think about God creator. You have his ear. You have his ear. He's not going to let you, you know, you ask for a loaf. He's going to give you a stone. No. He's going to give you, and ain't that right? I mean, our kids come to us sometimes and they want stuff that we know that you don't want that. And we don't give them to them and they think we're just meanie. Well, the truth of the matter is, we're watching out for them. But how many times have you gone to God saying, I want it, I want it, I want it. Okay, and he says, you don't need that. But I do want it. We have this. But I want you to think about something. Because, because we have his ear. I want to read you a verse. Uh, so many of us know and we quote it and we use it and we completely butcher it. When we use it. Okay? Here's the verse that I know you've heard this. Okay? And I know you've used it. Alright? Um, let's see. Which one do I want? Yeah, I'll go with the fourth. Here's the verse. Are you ready? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Right? We've, we've used it. You know what? I, I bet you if I had a nickel for every kid who sat on, down there at that challenge course and got ready to go off that zip line and they're sitting on the edge of it, they're four stories in the air going down a little bitty cable. And you tell them, you don't even have to hold on. They just look at you like, are you nuts? How many times I've heard this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, I always look at him and they said, ain't that right? And I said, yeah, he also says, do not tempt the Lord your God. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you know what is wrong? You know why I say we butcher that? Do you know the context of this verse? This b- verse right here 
slaps the American church. Because let me tell you the context of it. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you had lacked the opportunity. That's what he's talking about. This is the fourth chapter of the book of the Philippians. Okay? I know, okay, I, now, not that I speak from want. Hear what he said. But I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances that I am in. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and growing hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That sure signs a different little kind of flair on that verse, doesn't it? You know what he's saying? I'm absolutely content. You know why? I know that every, re- every resource that I have comes from God. Every resource I have need of comes from God. Therefore, I can do. Whether I have a lot or whether I have very little. Whether I am... Fed abundantly, or whether I'm fed not at all. I understand that God has given me the resources. Now think about that today. Think about the church today and tell me that that's where she stands. I know that God can do all things. They say that, and yet what happens? Well, I need to have this and this and this and this, and if we can't have this, if we don't do that, if we didn't do it, and all these other things. Okay, I mean, I had some guys ask me the other day, a group of guys who get together and pray, and they said, well, how is it your church, as small as it is, going to have a soup kitchen? I said, it's just going to be hot water, man. Don't sweat it. I mean, what, what, what do you think? We ain't going down there and giving lasagna and, you know, leg of lamb and all this other stuff. They're just getting hot boiled water and as many crackers as we can find. What would you just say? You don't have enough people to do that. Really? I don't need any people. Do you know that? I'm going to show you some other texts that when you start thinking about who you're indwelt with, the power source that you have been sealed with, immersed with, gifted with, poured through, and all that happened. You know what? That, there's an arrogance in that that says, then how in the heck did you get saved? You believe that all of a sudden you got saved so God, you can go out and do good works for God? Really? Then you're missing what I'm missing. I'm dealing with personal holiness in our Sunday school class. And Paul's prayer for the church in Thessalonica was that you'd be holy. How holy? Soul, spirit, and body. And then he makes this statement. And God is faithful who has called you to this to complete this. You can't do it. Why? Think about it. How, what is the depth of your sin? Well, it affects your soul. It affects your spirit. And it affects your body. But the one that you and I always deal with is what? The body. 
If I wear this clothes or don't wear this, wear this length skirt or... If I wear this length skirt, you guys are all going to think funny. Dude, he's wearing a dress. Okay, I have Scottish heritage. I'm allowed to. Okay. Um, But do you see what I'm trying to get at? If I dress a certain way, if I act a certain way, if I don't do this, if I do do this, and what are you dealing with? The body. Man has always been good to deal with the body. Why? We call them laws. Right? Right? Deal with the Spirit. Deal with the Spirit in light of Philippians 4 where he says, I've learned to be content whether with much or with little. Deal with that one. Okay? Then deal with it the fact that you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling your spirit too. So, see, my spirit is that place that I don't let nobody in. That's that place I've been married 17 years. My wife doesn't know. Okay? That's that place where I can, I, I, I can work at it. I can even deceive myself. That's where my thoughts are. That's where my everything comes out of. And I got the Holy Spirit in there bugging me all the time. What are you doing? Well, I'm tired. I have something to say to you in a word. Well, I'll read it tomorrow. I wouldn't be telling you now if I didn't want you to do it now. You're not praying. I know what you're thinking about that person. I know they're painting a butt, but so are you. Right? And he's just there all the time. When? He just won't shut up sometimes. Oh, maybe you guys are. Oh, me and the Spirit are just like that. Me and the Spirit are like that too sometimes. I remember both times. Okay, and the rest of the time you got this. I like woodpeckers more than you. Okay? Because I want you to understand all of your needs, he says, I've already taken care of. Well, but you don't understand. If I don't do that, you haven't read my book, have you? Hey, I'm just talking to you. Hey, I don't, that ain't no way to treat that person. Hey, that's how it works. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. In light of this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let me ask you a question. What does your life say? Because you have the resources. Because I have that intimate relationship with God, I have the resources. I have the resources. They're already there. Um, James says, anybody lacks wisdom. Okay, the whole book of James dealing with what? Suffering. And if you're in suffering, what do you do? You try your best to get your butt out of the suffering, don't you? What can I do to make this go away? Well, how many of us ask for wisdom? It's all based on that intimacy. It's all because he can call him Papa. Give me my daily bread. Keep me from temptation. What is that saying? It's saying first first and foremost, Papa is concerned about you. He isn't saying, oh, I saved you, you're on your own. Ha ha. He doesn't say that. Is there joy in communing with God? Let me, let me give you some thoughts on this. Go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, chapter 63. The book of Psalms is about the middle of your Bible. If you turn about the middle of your Bible, you'll end up in the book of Psalms. Unless you're just like really heavy on maps. And then it may get out of, out of Kelter. But about the middle of my Bible is the book of Psalms. 
63, verse 1 says this. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Earnestly. Um, <laughs> do you understand what that means, earnestly? I'm going to put a little effort in it. Okay, earnestly means a little effort. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of work at it. I'm going to seek you. Why? What happens to us? I can tell you what happens. We are distracted by human solutions. Aren't we? I mean, if you're going to have a soup kitchen, then you need to have about 100 people all given about five bucks so you can do what? Have a soup kitchen. Really? How about just having a heart that is bowed to the king, has laid down before the Lord of lords and say, here I am, pour me out. Look at verse 2. Kindness is better than life. How many of us have stepped into that room? Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. That's all of the meat of the bone. That's, you can get it all. You got the fatness and you ate the marrow. Dude, the only thing you got left is calcium deposits. Okay, and, and the fatness with my mouth, I'll offer praises of joyful lips. Do you understand what he's saying here? We have so much that hits us on a regular basis that do you really get thirsty? He says here, my soul. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. What does that mean? Ask yourselves where that's at. No, 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 I don't want you to look around. I wonder if that person over there is... No, 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 I am asking you. Does your soul thirst? Does your soul yearn? And you know what? I I love you guys, but I want to be honest with you. It is very easy for me to see what your soul is thirsting for and what your flesh is yearning for. You do not have to be a theologian. You do not need to be a high priest. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be an elder. You can spot it a mile away to see what a soul is thirsting for and what a body is yearning for. It is very easy to see. And you know what? That's part of the tragedy that is in the church. Why? Because you're going to perfect yourself on the natural plane. What has begun on the supernatural plane, you will now take care of how? What has begun by the Spirit now will be perfected by a system of man? I don't think so. Actually, not only do I not think so, I know emphatically that it's impossible because I have dealt with that creature I don't know how many times. Do we realize the privilege it is that you have an access to God? Let me ask you a question. If you were struggling with something right now and you had the President of the United States ear on anything you struggled with, would you use it? Let's say you and George Bush went to high school together or we, you were buddies at 
in the Air Force or the National Guard or whatever, you guys knew each other. You know, you kind of double dated a few times in the past, you and when he was dating Laura, and, and, and you knew him. You could call him. You had the President of the United States' personal cell phone number. You know what? I have John MacArthur's home phone number. And he told me I can call him anytime on any question that I am dealing with, whether in the church or with theology or whatever I'm dealing with. You just call me. Here's my home phone number. I got Dr. Stephen Olford's home phone number. I could call him anytime. Now I call his wife. I can call him anytime. Okay? You know what? I've never ever called John MacArthur. Why? Well, that kind of scares me. What if he answers? <laughs> What if he answers? But his, this was his thing. Here's a young man who wants the Bible, nothing but the Bible. I'm not worried about degrees. I'm not worried about this. I need to know what the Word of God says. And he says, I like that. And he says, what I, and I remember years ago, he says, one of the things that I like about you, you're not afraid to ask a question no matter how stupid you think that question is. And yet how many of us in this room today are afraid to ask stupid questions? Why? Well, you could get a stupid answer. But if you have a question and it's on the eternal plane, don't you think you ought to go get an answer? But you know what? Your pride will stand in the way and you will stand there and suffer. We were talking about this the other night. Our country was set up with the crafts, the trades. And most of them, whether it's heating and air conditioning or plumbing or carpentry, it started up with what was called an apprenticeship program. And that apprenticeship was a person who wanted to do this trade and would sit under a journeyman or a master so they could learn all the do's and don'ts of the trade. Things to save time, things that you could do it cleanly, things you could do it like that. That ain't the way it works today. Today, we hire an apprentice because I need bodies. Okay? There's no teaching going on. I just need to throw human beings at this. I don't care. Wire. I need you to get wire from that box to that box to that box to that box. And you know what? There are ways to do it now that you, you can save yourself half the time. But what if we don't do it that way. Why? Because man's pride says, I know how to do this. And we're learning the skills and the abilities that are out there. How much greater is the skills and the abilities on a holy man of God? But why would I be afraid to ask? How do you do that? I mean, I remember him saying, I don't ever remember my parents raising their voices. And I just smiled at him. He says, what do you think? And I said, you're hard of hearing. He says, I've never been to an R-rated movie. So you've never been in the movies. Can you, is there such a thing as a non, I mean, other than a cartoon? I didn't know there was such a thing that wasn't an R-rated movie. He said, no, I've never been to one. And he says, you know what, I don't feel like I've missed anything. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. Why wouldn't I ask that guy how? I mean, it's easy for me not to go to an R-rated movie. I can't afford it. I mean, if I take my family to the movies, I'm dropping $50, and I ain't even getting nothing to eat. And I'm thinking, you want how much for a box of popcorn? But see, that's the kind of stuff that I want you to think about. You have privilege. You can go to God, the Creator. That's that intimate relationship that you already have, people. It is already there. Whether you believe it or not, I don't know. Why is it that I want a human counselor when I can have God? You know what? And I, 
I've already dealt with spiritual gift of exhortation. There are people that God has gifted that will speak for God and will bring you counsel. Absolutely. But if you're struggling with something, why wouldn't you take it to God? First. Well, I have this lump in my whatever, and I'm going in and have a biopsy, an emopsy, or something. Okay, and they're going to tell me what's wrong. And so, where are you seeking your counsel? From man? From man? Why would you not go to God first? Well, he, you know. No. Let me tell you something. If the relationship is so intimate that you can call him Papa, I'm thinking he's kind of thinking about you. I'm thinking that you might have his ear. Now, he may say, you need to go to the doctor. (laughs) But, you you know, I remember when my mom was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. Okay? You know, she wasn't feeling good, and she went in, and they said... Oh, we found a polyp or something. I got, we're going to do surgery. And she says, oh, wait a minute. No, you're not. And the doctor freaked out. Well, we've caught this early enough that I'm going to take some time and pray about it. And she called me right afterwards. She said, I need you to pray about this. I said, all right. I'll pray about it. Okay. And so we prayed. You know what the first thing I prayed for? She'd get a God-fearing doctor, surgeon. I mean, her doctor is a doctor. But the surgeon guy was a different guy. I prayed, you know what? I went to the back, to, back home for, for, for her surgery, and I walk in there, and they're prepping her, you know, how they got them laid out, and they're getting ready to knock them out and make them woozy and all that other stuff. The doctor comes in, a big old fat man. <laughs> I, well, that's what he was, and he just came in, and I was like, dude, I hope that's a big operating room. <laughs> Uh, because the guy was, it's a long story. Anyway, so he sits there and he goes, how are you doing? And my mom said, this is my oldest son. And I shook his hand and all the rest of it. And he says, if you don't mind and you're not offended, I would like to pray before we go into this. Okay, so me, the pastor guy, gets my Bible out. I'm going to listen if this guy knows what's going on. You know what? This guy was talking to God, my God. And you know what? I could have gone back and got on the airplane and gone home. Why? It's all taken care of. It was all taken care of. All right? Now then, I want you to think about that. That's just prayer. That's all that is. What does your soul soul thirst for? Okay, what what is it? What is it your flesh yearns for? Ohio State to beat Texans. Okay, I'm done with that. Now what? All right. But do you see what I'm saying? But I want to show you something else. And I'm going to wrap with this one because this in here just still freaks me out. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 2. This is that text that always gets me in the pr- trouble, but I'm still going there because I know whether with much or with little... I can do all things that God strengthens me. Chapter 2, verses 20 through 27 is the context of this thing. But I want you to think about this. This is what he said. I'm going to read this whole thing through 27. All right? Because he uses this word twice. This is always the one that gets me into trouble. But this is what my Bible says. So here's what you're going to have to hear. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. 
Okay. Now listen, this is talking to you and me. I'm not telling you this because you don't know this. But because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. I'm writing you this because you do know this. Okay, why? Why do you know this and why do you have the ability to know that a lie is not in the truth? You have an anointing from the Holy One. Okay, read on. Who is the liar but the one who denies Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. It's an against Christ. The one who denies the Father and Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has also the Father. Okay? As for you, here it is, as for you, let that abide in you. You know what that word abide, let me give it to you, simple. Remain. Let that remain in you. What is that? You're not anti-Christ. You're not against Christ. Why would you try to sanctify yourself if it took Christ to save you? Because doing that is anti-Christ. All right, let's read this on. As for you, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If, that, if what you heard from the beginning remains in you, abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us an eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him, what? There it is again. It what? It remains. It remains. I have seen people who go from one deception to the next deception to the next deception to the next deception, and they, they'd say, well, but this part was true and this part, you know, I'm just going to... And like, well, you're still getting a lie. If a person has given you a half-truth and a half-lie, does that make it really what? It's all a lie. And if you're saved, you have an anointing that says, you know what, that's a lie. I'm not listening. You can't make me listen. I don't have to say, well, I will search it out. No! The Holy Spirit is on you. You have an anointing. Don't go out here and claim to be Baptist anointed. They'll think you're a charismatic Baptist. Okay? Now, John liked the word. I like the word. You know why? You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and then he smears you. He puts oil all over you, and your body starts absorbing that sucker. I like that idea. I think that is cool. Why? I want to be smeared with the Holy Spirit. I want an anointing, and I want to remain in the anointing. Why? It literally means that it is put on a way that the tissue absorbs it. It was used in veterinary medicine to speak of putting a, a liniment on a horse. Okay, it's strained out its muscles. You ever had, you guys, some of you are too young. Us older guys know Ben Gay. Right? Ben Gay. Nectar of the gods. Why? You can go out and act like a foolish teenager and then sit in a tub of Bengay. Why? And your body says, oh. Why? It ain't because.
does, it's out there on the outside, but it starts going into the tissue. And you start going, yeah. And then you get up and you feel like a stupid kid again. All right? And then you go back in and be, be gay. I like the ice stuff, too. It goes cold, then hot. As hell with you, dude. I'm in. All right? Except they don't sell it in big enough containers. But do but, but you see what I'm trying to get at? That's what the anointing of the Spirit is. The anointing of the Spirit is means that it is coming into your fleshly vessel. From the outside, it is smeared on, and then it is absorbed. How cool is that? If you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and He's anointing you at the same time. That is taking care. The soul is the eternal being. Every human has one. Those going to hell get a package. Those going to heaven get a package. That's your eternal container. Okay? Inside of that soul container is my spirit. The Holy Spirit is in there with my spirit. And that's where the I'm talking to you comes from. Okay? What happens with that earthen vessel? The clay pot. It is anointed on the outside by the Spirit, and it starts going in. What is he talking about? I call this the illumination of Scripture. The illumination of Scripture. The Spirit of God makes His works alive to us. How? I have the Holy Spirit inside. I have the Holy Spirit outside in the Word of God what? Smearing me with what? Scripture. And it makes it real. And what happens to your body? It literally will start to absorb it. Okay? You'll hear me say it this direction. Take everything you're exposed to and look at it through the grid of Scripture. The Scripture's anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit allows me to look at it and say, hey, that's a lie. You were doing so good too. But now it's a lie. I've had people sit there, and I remember talking to a lady one time, uh, well, I guess I should say it, my aunt. And I said, you know what? The only prayer was that you come to salvation. How do you know I'm not saved? Your life does not say you are. Hear that from your nephew. Get back, get back. Okay? How dare you say that? No, John says it. You know, the apostle one? That John says it. Why? I can see your life, dear sweet aunt. And the anointing of scripture that I have received says your life is not his. Okay? Look at verse 27. As for you, the anointing but you received from him remains in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Okay? You know what that implies? The Holy Spirit is sufficient through the scriptures, through his power, and through your vessel. He's sufficient. You don't have to. You know, people say, well, you say you have to go to church. What's your alternative? What's your alternative? What would you rather do? Be around the saints of God? Energized by the saints of God? Encouraged by the saints of God? Encouraging the saints of God? Or what? Hang out with the pagans? What would you rather do? That's not complicated. 
All right? It's all inclusive. Back to verse 20. The word anointing there literally should be uppercase. All right? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. This is good stuff. When you pray, are you thirsty for God? Is there a zeal in your body for the things of God? No. When you're praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You really want that? Or your will be done as I think it should be? Is that what you're praying? I want your will done here on earth. as Is your soul got that zeal? Is your soul thirsty for the things of God? When you're pouring yourself out to God... Do it with an open Bible. Do it with an open Bible. Because when God responds, you're going to know it. All right? I think a whole bunch of us pray for a whole bunch of stuff and God's already done it and we aren't smart enough to know that He has. And it's because we're not praying with our Bible open. Listen, <clears throat> we have an intimate relationship with God. Okay? Abba, Father. You know what? When you think about relationship, if you're married... You talk to your spouse, don't you? Should. If not, you won't be married long. I guarantee it. Okay? But you know one of the keys to that is? You better listen to her when she speaks to you. Or that relationship ain't going to work. Same way with God. Same way with God. Isn't it? We love to pray to him. Space boy, we get our little, little bit of a problem here. Daddy! But normally when a person goes to pray to God, they're basically, I don't know if they think they're, they're his spy. God, I know you missed this. I need to inform you. Okay? I don't know what we're doing. But how do I know what the answer is? How many of you have prayed for peace? Now, I'm not talking about peace of Israel. I'm talking about peace. Lord, I just need to be at peace about this. You know what my Bible says? You already got it. So why would I pray for it? Why would I keep asking him for what I've already got? He's probably saying, open the package, fool. You already have it. Moron, use it. But I need it. Some people's kids. Right? It's all inclusive. I have a resident teacher. I have an anointing. I have this ointment put on and absorbed. And that is the spirit. You know what? It's so cool. And I think about it. I have the spirit in me. I have the spirit on me. I like that. I really like that. He's not greasy either. But he is the one who teaches you so that you know the things from the word of God. Hear what I said. You know the things from the Word of God. Okay? Let me give you some insight into this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians is ministry. How, how do I minister? How do I serve? Okay? Chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. Now, that, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God... You know what that means, right? He's in you and he's on you. I like that. He's in you and he's on you. 
He who has sealed us gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Okay? He has a ministry and it is to teach us truth. He does that. We've looked at it. The teaching ministry, the speaking ministries that you see in the body of Christ are to do what? To help you grow. Why? So you will serve. Why? Because the body will be strengthened. Why? So it will manifest Christ. How? Through the Holy Spirit. I like that. That's good stuff. It's just good stuff. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, You know what? The natural people can't understand this. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Remember that? We studied that in depth. They can't understand. Natural people can't understand. Natural people can read their Bible and they come away from it and they just got to look like a calf at a new gate. They just got that, I don't get it. Okay? You've seen it. How many times have you shared the gospel with somebody and they look at you like, what are you, an idiot? What, what? That sounds like gibberish. Why? Natural man don't understand the things of God. And you know what? Saved doesn't if the Holy Spirit isn't there anointing. You've heard them. Have you ever heard people preach? I've heard people who preach. This is preaching. And basically it's a college professor. I am rolling out a wheelbarrow full of facts and you're going to be in awe of the facts I have. Dude, I remember the first sermon I ever preached. Ever preached. Book of Jude. You have no idea how bad that was. Because I preached to one person, my pastor. Okay, you know what was amazing about it? He took notes. He said, I never saw that before. And what I was giving him from the book of Jude. Listen, I got news for you. It isn't because I was so smart and he wasn't. It was because I knew I got no business to stand up there and try to speak, thus saith God. So I need your help in a seriously, seriously desperate way. And he used me. First sermon I preached to a congregation, this little woman, Lilia, came forward like a million years old. And they told me, experts say, once they pass 70, they'll never come to salvation. This little woman, I have an altar call, because you're supposed to do an altar call. And you have an altar call. This little woman gets up and I thought, this lady's going to come up and cuff me. Okay? You're a loudmouth punk kid or something. I don't know what she's going to say to me. She comes up to me crying and saying, all my years in church, I never understood that. Thank you. I want Jesus to save me now. What? I didn't have anything to do with it. I've seen it happen when I preach in Russia. I've seen it happen in all kinds of places. You know what? And there's times I've heard guys, and they just sit there and go, I'm meditating. Right? But when there's an anointing, the person that is being used by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has smeared that person, it has been absorbed in that person, and he starts splashing it everywhere. And then the Holy Spirit will take what that person is teaching and he does what? He smears it on your heads and your heads absorb it. I have heard people walk away from my sermons and I, you know, I didn't understand this and I got this out of that message. I'm sitting there going, what did you hear? I don't understand that kind of stuff. Why? That's how Christ does it. The book of Acts... Chapter 10. 
10 verse 30, no, 10 verse, yeah, 10 verse 38 says this. You know of Jesus of Nazareth and how God, here it is, smeared him. No, how God anointed him with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. And now he went out doing and healing and oppressed the devil and all that other stuff. Do you understand what you said there? How did Jesus teach and have, he said such profound things that men had never taught before. How was it? Jesus now, he had an anointing. Where did it come from? Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit is on me. Remember the little dove thing? Came down. And everybody says, you know, the Holy Spirit is a chicken. No. The Holy Spirit came down and what? Anointed him for what God had planned. Guess what? So are you. You have an anointing. And it remains. It remains. See, the Holy Spirit anoints us. But you know what's cool about Him anointing us? He's the author of Scripture. He's the author of Scripture. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1. Whoops, went too far. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says this, But know first of all, okay, know first of all, no prophecy of Scripture, okay, no forth speaking publicly of Scripture is what? Is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but by men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's the anointing, people. You've got to understand this. We were at the Shepherds Conference last March, and one of the guys that was out there, he says, I've never had an original thought. That's a good thing when you're a child of God. Why? He doesn't need your originality. Why? I already got this figured out. So what are you doing? You're repeating what preachers have said for several thousand years. There's nothing new. There's nothing hidden here. If you really think you can find something that nobody else has, then what does that make you? I know what it makes you. A liar. Why? Where does it come from? The Spirit of God. Who authored it? The Spirit of God. Who empowers it? The Spirit of God. What are you going to bring to the package? Nothing. That's why I'm the foghorn. I don't have an original thought. I haven't found stuff that nobody else hasn't already found. Most of the stuff that I find, somebody has already found and given it to me through the person of the Holy Spirit, or persons have given them, have written it down and given it to me, or persons have preached it and it was given to me, or, see what I mean? It's all the same. It's all the same. The word is to be read, and the spirit of the will lead to the understanding of it. Listen, man knows his thinking, correct? Correct? I know what I think. I don't know what you think. Some of you think I do, but I don't. You're wise if you've ever been married. Your wives always think you should know what you're thinking. And then men don't think that hard. We're getting too much credit. Okay? Well, what? You don't know what I'm thinking. You're right. Why? The only person who knows what you're thinking is what? That person. All right? No person 
can know a person, another person as well as he knows himself or herself. Correct? We even deceive ourselves. All right? We are the only person who knows our thoughts, right? We may deceive, our so- deceive ourselves in the reality of our thoughts, but we're the only ones who know it, right? There's only one who knows the thoughts of God. Who is it? Holy Spirit. He knows God's thinking. And He will reveal God's thinking in Holy Writ, the Scripture, the Holy Bible. He will illuminate them to the one who studies the Scripture. Okay, I want to close with this text, one of my favorite texts of all of Holy Writ, Psalm 19. Okay, this is the one. Now remember, I warned you, you're going to fight this. One, you're going to fight the experience, the experiential move that is in the church today. Well, I feel, okay, you're going to fight pragmatism, man's systems, man's methods, and you're going to fight what they call, what I would call psychological sanctification. You have to fight all three of those, and I'm going to give you a weapon that obliterates all three of them instantaneously. One text... That will absolutely obliterate psychology, it obliterates pragmatism, and it obliterates anything that is experiential. comes out of the 19th Psalm. starts at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, is perfect restoring the soul. I don't really have to go any far, farther than that, do I? It will only perfect the soul. That's all. It can't really do much more than that, but it will perfect the soul. Hmm. Okay, the law, you see there in verse 7? That is God's standard for man's conduct. That's what the Hebrew translation is. Okay, look what he says next. Verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony is God revealing himself. The testimony, the manifestation. Okay, so I have my standard before God. I have God revealing himself. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Okay, the precepts will be life's principles. Life's principles based on God's word will only make you happy. That's all. Okay, that's after my soul has been perfected. Oh, okay. And I can be wise even though most people think that I'm simple. Hmm. Look what the next one is. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Commandments, non-negotiable, non-opinion, non-optional. Okay, commandments. Do this, don't do that. All right, move on, move on. Look what else he's going to do here. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean and it endures forever. That's instruction for worship. That's the reverence that is due at worship. Okay, you know what all of these are referring to? The illumination of Scripture. Illumination of Scripture. Then the last one there, you see the judgments of the Lord, true and the righteous altogether. That's divine verdicts, judicial conduct, judicial counsel. I look at this, it's the facets of the diamond of Scripture. That's the sufficiency of the book. How sufficient? It to provide the resources on the supernatural level. If you want to be holy, there's only one way to do it, brother and sister. It's the book. It's the book. And, but it has to start out. You better be thirsting. 
And you better be earnest in your yearnings for the things of God. Why? Because the anointing of the Spirit will be upon you. It is more desirable than gold, it says right there. Yes, than much fine gold. Okay, now think about it. Well, how, do, how much do people pursue gold? Wealth today. How much sleep are they willing to lose over it? How much overtime are they willing to put into it? How much worry, anxiety are they willing to put over that? And he says, you know what? If you would put that much energy into the holy book, you'd have all the gold you'd ever dream of. And you would. Why? Because whether you were a beggar or wealthy, you would always be content. And ask yourself this, what thing in this world on the natural level can make you content? Nothing. There's nothing on the planet earth today that can satisfy. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but it shall be a meditation on it day and night. You know what that means, right? You're going to have to work at it. You meditate it. You chew on it. You know what meditate is, right? Keep burping it up. Chew it again. Burp it up. Chew it again. Burp it up. Chew it again. Right? Meditation isn't this. Fell asleep reading my Bible and the ink left it written backwards on my forehead. So every time I look into the mirror, I see the Word of God. That's not meditation. Okay? All right, so I'm going to conclude. You were saved through conviction of the Spirit, caused you to repent. You were indwelt, immersed, sealed, gifted, and separated. Because of that, you are sanctified through the Spirit. You have open access to God in intimacy and fellowship and love of the Heavenly Father. You have it through prayer, resources of wisdom, and two-way communication. Please understand, two-way communication. You pray, He speaks. Right here. Holy Spirit gives us the inspired Word, and it comes alive in us. And as we look at it, God's mind is literally revealed to the simple. That would be you and me. Why? It's only going to perfect your soul. It's only going to make you wise. It's only going to cause rejoicing in your heart. It's only going to enlighten your eyes. It is only going to endure forever, and we will be righteous altogether through it. That's all. And what else are you going to add to it? I want to give you a quote here. Okay? And I'm going to tell you who said it. Systems of man, no, listen, we've got to get a hold of this, what the word of God does to the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the quote, man, quote, man has become so sophisticated, he's unable to get in touch with true sanctification. You know who said that? Charles Hadley Spurgeon. Died in the late 1800s. Has it gotten better or gotten worse? See what I mean? I mean, the law of the Lord will only perfect my soul. That's all. That's all it's going to do. And you're sanctified through what? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for what it means to me. Father, I thank you for what you have done. Lord, 
We who have heard this, we who have grown together this day, Lord, as we draw upon the deep things, may we understand when Jesus cried, Teltelestai, it is finished. Literally, Lord, let us understand that it is not only finished, it is only perfect. Help us. Help us of little faith, Father, to lean full weight upon these massive truths. Help us, Father. Help us to draw from the power source that only spoke existence into being. Help us to be sanctified. Help us to be holy. Help us in such a way that your will is so fulfilled that people will be in awe of what you've done. Not us. What you've done. To your glory. Amen.